You think you know me. Guys, welcome to this week's edition of the Wrestling Ram Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Lido. You just got yourself an earful of the Rated R Superstar Edge's entrance theme song. Reason being, as well, he's my favorite superstar of all time. Not to mention, his theme song's pretty cool. If you actually listen to the words, it's actually a really good song. He's a wonderful superstar, my favorite of all time. Reason being is the 1999 No Mercy pay-per-view. If you haven't seen it, I highly suggest you see it. You might change your mind who your favorite of all time is. You might be an edgehead like I am. I don't know, but guess what? It is what it is, and I'm happy with my decision on that. I wish he was still in the ring. Um, obviously, I had to retire for reasons um, due to his neck injury and things of that nature. But um, moving on, we got uh, this week's episode is going to cover, obviously, this weekend in WWE. You had the NXT uh, TakeOver in Brooklyn. You had SummerSlam, and then you had Raw the next night. All three in Brooklyn, all three sold-out shows. Um, they are fantastic shows. Uh, if you're going to ask me my pick on which was the best show, NXT took it all day long. It was NXT. Um, SummerSlam didn't hold a candle to NXT, in my opinion, and I'll tell you about why uh, here at the body of this podcast. But before I jump right into it, before we get to everything, I do have a few things that I want to say and get off my chest. Um, this past week, uh, listening, I listen to a lot of podcasts, guys, and a lot of my wrestling podcasts, not all of them. Um, pretty much I listen to anybody who uh, shares similar interests as mine and uh, inspires me to do this podcast, or it just inspires me in life in general, as somebody who I think is a you know, decent human being, because there's not a lot of those people out there, but anybody who I do believe is so, and uh, has a podcast that I believe worthy is listening to, believe me, I do. Um, but one of my favorite podcasts, guys, every single week is the wrestling uh, podcast, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Uh, at not Sam on Twitter. If you don't follow him, you should. Uh, a lot of crazy things going on. He's got his own uh, Sirius XM show, the Sam Roberts Show. Then he has his podcast every Wednesday, the Sam Roberts pod- Wrestling Podcast. Um, he's fantastic. Uh, the podcast is fantastic. But the reason I bring this up is because on his podcast, he made a few predictions. That's right. He did a little bit of fantasy booking. Now, sometimes they don't like fantasy booking, and sometimes... Sam Roberts likes to fantasy book, and uh, if you actually listen to his podcast with him and Katie Linendahl, um, they actually, uh, Katie Linendahl's sometimes a little shy to jump on that bandwagon because she knows that sometimes Sam Roberts is absolutely wrong, and she said on his podcast is because he'll plan out things, you know, three or four weeks in advance or four or five steps in advance, and if the first step, first week misses, well, obviously the rest are going to miss too, but he made a prediction that actually came true this past uh, Sunday at SummerSlam, but I want to point out that the week before he made that prediction, on this very podcast, I made the same prediction. So with that being said, I just want to point out that not only can Sam Roberts fantasy book, but I can fantasy book just as well. Now, the only difference between mine and his prediction is when I made my prediction, uh, Jon Stewart was not to be the host of SummerSlam. That had not been announced yet. Um, But other than that, prediction's the same. Um, Ended the same. 
and it's just this just the exact same as Sam Roberts. So with that being said, I actually want to issue a challenge to Sam Roberts. I don't know if he'll ever actually listen to this podcast. Maybe with your guys' hope we can tweet him at not Sam to get him to listen to this podcast just to see if he accepts this challenge. Sam Roberts, I challenge you to a fantasy booking competition of Night of Champions. That's right. I don't know how we want to set it up, but basically here's what I've thought out so far. If you have anything you want to add, let's do this. Let's talk about it. Let's get this figured out. But the way I'm thinking it, the way I've got it going down, is basically whoever in fantasy book the most matches correctly or the most storylines correctly will win. Now, what do we win? I don't know. we got to figure that out. What does the loser get or what does the loser have to do? I don't know how to figure that out either, except for on my end. If I win and you lose, I would like you to be on my show here on my Wrestling Rant Podcast. Just do one episode, even if it's 10, 15 minutes. Just give me a chance to interview you, the professional broadcaster, the last professional broadcaster, I might add, to your credit. And I'm doing this, and I want to challenge you simply because of how much I respect you and what you do, and the fact of the matter is you're, you're a joy to, to listen to every week. And um, I really just want to... I want to have a friendly competition, if you will, uh, and it's truly just to show you how much I respect you, but um, if you don't believe that uh, uh, my fantasy booking was correct, as well as Sam Roberts, listen to both podcasts. You'll hear exactly what happens, and um, you know exactly what I thought was going to happen with the, uh, basically we're talking about the uh, Seth Rollins-John Cena match, obviously, with John Stewart getting involved. I did not predict that part, because I didn't know John Stewart was going to be the host of SummerSlam, but the rest of that pay-per-view, or the rest of that match in particular, that I fantasy booked, hell, it was correct. So with that being said, uh, I issue a challenge, Sam Roberts. Uh, I'm at obviously on Twitter, at Wrestling Rant. Rant is spelled with a W. It's silent, like wrestling. Makes it sound cooler. Don't believe me? Say it out loud. Did you say it out loud? Didn't sound any different, did it? Well, you just look pretty stupid right now. See yourself in the mirror. Anyway, I do it all the time. I look stupid, too. It's okay. Anyway, moving on. Sam, if you accept, let me know. Um, Katie Linnadal, challenge goes to you, too, if you want to accept. Um, you two are great. Uh, your state of wrestling every week is just phenomenal. And Sam Roberts, you asked on your podcast this, this Wednesday, this past Wednesday after SummerSlam, you asked if uh, we think that uh, this – or the – state of wrestling address that you do every week is long enough or not long enough i'm telling you right now you could do a whole podcast of that and i'd be happy you don't even have to have guests just you and katie lindahl back and forth alone is more than enough worth listening to so if you want to do two a week by all means do two a week or if you just want to have two hour podcast do a two hour podcast do our interviews and our state of wrestling and by all means i would still listen every single week okay uh moving on i do want to discuss uh, like i said uh the events of this weekend um, I'm not going to go into every match step-by-step, step, de- detail for detail, play-by-play, play, whatever you want to call it, because um, that would take way too long. It would take the entirety of the you know the events. That's you know almost nine and a half hours, ten hours of, of, of podcast. That would be ridiculous. Nobody would listen to that show. Not even I would listen to a ten-hour podcast. I mean, I might fall asleep listening to a ten-hour podcast, but I most certainly wouldn't listen to the entire ten-hour podcast. Well, if Paul Heyman was hosting this ten-hour podcast, I might listen. So if we can get Paul Heyman to do a 10-hour podcast, oh boy, I'd probably listen to that. I don't know many people who wouldn't listen to that. But with that being said, let's move right along here. Um, let's start Let's start with what I said and what I believe was the highlight of the weekend, the NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Now, why was it the highlight of the weekend? Because NXT just does a, um, a very good job making you 
There's not an undercard in NXT. And what I mean by that is every match feels important. You know, at SummerSlam or on Monday Night Raw, there's a lot of matches that happen that people just aren't invested in. Um, they don't care about it as much. And, you know, I don't know why that is. I, I can't quite figure out. Um, you know, obviously it has a lot to do with booking. Um, but some of the matches in NXT aren't necessarily booked the greatest. You just care about these performers more. And maybe it's because it's, you know, it doesn't have any of the main roster guys on it. You know, I'm sure if, you know, Randy Orton showed up on NXT, that would actually be one of the matches where I just wasn't as invested in. Um, but also at the same time, why would Randy Orton show up in NXT? He has no reason to be there. Um, but anyway, then I feel that NXT was better strictly because I care about every match on the card. Um, every match on the card felt fresh, original, um, it's thoroughly enjoyable. There wasn't much to it other than that. Uh, um, th- there was just, it was just, it was almost like when you first started watching wrestling, when you became a fan before you knew about psychology and, uh, before you knew about the storylines taking place and all you did was just watch the matches. Um, and that's how I almost feel about NXT. But at the same time, I also care on that level where the psychology is, is spot on. Um, you know, the matches are good. The storylines are good. Um, there are a few storylines that could use an improvement. Um, they kind of threw together at the end. But at the same time, I think NXT is doing a hell of a job, um, especially with losing Hideo Tommy and Sami Zayn. I mean, I know those guys were a big plan moving forward, and when those guys got injured, especially so close together, they had to, uh, they had to, you know, rethink everything. And I think the stuff that's going on down there, I don't know who's writing NXT, but it can't be a team of writers. Got to be, got to be just a few guys in Triple H doing it all. And I think they're doing a great job. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it each and every week, and it's the highlight of my week. To be honest with you, I've said this before. I think NXT and SmackDown should switch places. I think NXT should be on TV and SmackDown be on the network. Period. Um, I think NXT is way more entertaining. Um, I don't think anybody takes SmackDown seriously. Um, SmackDown, they don't enhance storylines. They don't do anything. They just kind of keep with the storyline that was already in place on Raw, and nothing changes till the next week on Raw. Now, some say it's going to change at the beginning of the year. Uh, we'll see what happens. I've heard that before, so we'll see how that goes. But getting into the pay-per-view itself, or I don't know if you want to call it a pay-per-view, the takeover event, um, getting into that itself, the first thing i got to say right off the bat Apollo Crews. Holy shit. Now, I've seen Apollo Crews wrestle in, in, in other places and around the world and in the Indies and things of that nature. And, you know, before he came in, the Hua Nation, or however you say it, I'm probably saying it wrong. Um, but I've seen him wrestle before, and it, it was fantastic. But seeing him in the WWE style of wrestling, you know, the matches were a little slower. Um, but when he needed to pick it up, boy, did he pick it up and see that big boy do that flip. Oh my, that standing moonsault? Oh, Jesus Christ. That was fucking beautiful. Um, made me made me tear up, man. And especially, the, you know, to see him win, the intensity he had in his eyes, especially when he came out to the ring when he came out. And, uh, he, you know, you, you can see him there. <laughs> if you watched it, you can see him there. And he's like, that's a lot of people, man. That's a lot of people. Yeah, that's a lot of people, Apollo. That's probably the most people you wrestle in front of, huh? But dude handled himself with... Uh, the utmost respect and he went out there and he laid it down and he earned my respect. He already had it, but he earned it 10 times over. Um, fan for life, uh, Apollo Crews, uh, to be honest with you, he's one of the guys who I honestly believe could have just 
debuted on the main roster and had the exact same reaction from the fans. I think people went fucking nuts for him no matter where he was, um, no matter where he was at. So good for him. Can't wait to see what's going on in the future. He had the crowd going, uh, you know, mimicking uh, the perfect 10. Uh, that was pretty sweet. Uh, thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, look forward to seeing what he does in the future. I know he's saying in his promos, you know, the little vignettes for the matches, um, that he's here for the NXT Championship. Well, the NXT Championship card's going to get a little full here soon because you've got uh, Samoa Joe, who I believe as soon as his independence contracts that he has are up, will get a huge push in WWE or NXT. Um, Sami Zayn is going to be coming back probably at the beginning of the year. Hideo Tommy, I do believe, is due back before that. Um, and not to mention Finn Balor really doesn't want to let it go. And I don't think Finn Balor is going to let it go until they give it off to somebody else and Finn Balor is on the main roster. Now, it wouldn't surprise me if you see Finn Balor on the main roster here in the next few months with the title, kind of like Kevin Owens did. Um, we'll see how that plays out. But I do believe right now Finn Balor is the best person to be champion. I just think they need to put him on TV more, and I think they need to let him do some more promos. Because um, believe it or not, that match... Um, the main event match of NXT TakeOver in Brooklyn, uh, the latter match between uh, you know Kevin Owens and Finn Balor, actually had the least amount of crowd reaction um, for the whole show. And I think that's because the uh, the women's match stole the show. Uh, I think it stole the weekend. I think it stole the fucking year. I know Sam Roberts on his podcast is probably the best you know match of the weekend, but Sam Roberts, I'm going to up you one. Um, that was the best match of the year for me um, since 2014, since last year. Um, when, you know, Brock Cena and Rollins had their triple threat, that was the best match since then, period. Uh, I haven't seen one better than that. Um, and even that's still very, very close. So, um, but with that being said, I think that, uh, that match stole the wind out of the sails for that final main event. I think the women should have went on last. Um, cause I think the fans didn't have a whole lot left to, to give at that point, but it was what it was. I think Finn Balor is an amazing champion. I think Finn Balor is going places in this company for sure. Um, but I also do believe that that's going to be the last time Graham said this before, so I'm be wrong, but I believe that's going to be the last time we see Kevin Owens on NXT. Um, I think he's officially main roster guy now. Um, I kind of knew going into that match, uh, Kevin Owens wasn't going to win. I think everybody did, um, but they did a good, you know, pretty decent job hyping the match, making it look like, you know, it's maybe believable that Kevin Owens might win. You know, him saying that he doesn't want the title anymore. He needs the title. That had truth to it, but at the same time, it didn't because he's on the main roster now. He wants the title because it gives him more money or needs the title because it gives him more money, but he makes more money being on the main roster. We all know that. But at the same time, the match was still great. Um, the ladder match was actually... In my opinion, it was pretty damn good. Um, I do like the fact that in that ladder match, um, they didn't have the typical, well, lately, the typical WWE ladder matches where they come down to the ring and there's 30 ladders of all shapes and sizes surrounding the ring. And, um, you know, because that's, that's way too over-the-top gimmicky. That's, you know, bullshit. Um, if you remember this last year, WrestleMania, they had the ladder match for the IC Championship. And, you know, there's 30, 40 ladders surrounding the ring by the time, you know, any of the wrestlers even came out. And... Half of them couldn't even use as real ladders because they were two feet tall. You can't reach title with that. So they were just playing off the gimmick of the ladder match. And I'm glad they didn't do that this time. Um, started with one ladder at the top of the ramp. Um, one got pulled out, you know, a little bit halfway through the match. So there's only two ladders. I like that. I enjoyed the fact that they made do of an actual wrestling match and involved the ladder and not so much, uh, um, you know, a brawl with ladders because that's essentially what ladder matches have become last few years in WWE. So I was very happy with that. Happy to see uh, uh, Finn Balor walk away with the NXT title. That was a very good, very entertaining match. Um, but next thing I want to talk about, um, tag team. 
tag team uh, NXT titles. Uh, don't be wrong, I'm very happy for the VOD villains, and the crowd obviously knew ahead of time Blue Pants was going to show up. But I'm going to be one of those guys who's just like, who the fuck is Blue Pants? Now I, I've I've seen Blue Pants wrestle. She's she's had a you know NXT match or two before. Um, I didn't know she was actually officially. Uh, you know, has a WWE contract. I don't know that. I still don't know that. Um, I would assume she does if she competed at the pay-per-view. Um, but, I mean, if if you think about it, who else were they going to get to help, you know, take care of Alexa Bliss? I don't know. I couldn't think of one, you know. And when the crowd started chanting blue pants, I, and I realized, well, shit, the VOD villains are wearing blue pants. Ding, ding, ding. Well, guess what? I figured that shit out. I was a little late to the party, but I figured that out. Um, so it was cool to see. I enjoyed it. Um, the match was actually very, uh, it was a very entertaining match, but, uh, the problem I'm having with the tag team division lately, uh, other than, uh, Enzo and Big Cass, because those guys are just nailing it at all levels, but the rest of them seem to be more, I don't want to say this, but main roster-ish in their matches, so I kind of, I've kind of stepped back ever since the Ascension went to the main roster. The NXT tag division isn't um, isn't performing in the same mannerisms. I mean, they're still having great matches, don't get me wrong. They're still all very, very talented. And it's not that the teams aren't any good or anything like that. It's just the matches themselves feel... Like, the rest of NXT kind of feels more like an indie vibe to it, where the tag team matches feel like a main roster vibe to it. Um, now, that's just my opinion, my feelings, but... Um, it was still a very good match, but it was one I expected to see like on a SmackDown or a Raw. It wasn't something I expected to see on an NXT show. Um, but Blue Pants' involvement, other than her entrance music, God, is that terrible. And then she came in doing the old-school like jive-looking dance and shit. Um, a little freaky, but at the same time, hey, whatever gets her off. I uh, can't believe WWE let her on the air with her hair, that weird bluish-greenish color, and look like it's all natted and nasty. Um, but... You know, maybe she showed up last minute and was just going to show up. I don't know. Uh, maybe they didn't know what she looked like since the set. Like I said, she might not be under contract. They might not have uh, known what was getting, what she was going to walk in looking like. But she pulled off her job to the best of her abilities. I mean, she got the point done. Obviously, the Vaudevillains won the tag team titles, which I think was an okay move to do. I personally would rather seen Big Cass and Enzo in that match. But at the same time, I'm kind of with uh, the belief that they're not in the tag title hunt at the moment um, because they're going to be on you know the main roster soon. Uh, Enzo and Kaz, I think, deserve to be on the main roster. I think they have one of the best gimmicks in the tag division. Um, I think they can come back or should show up on the main roster and uh, join up with uh, Team 3D. That's right. I said Team 3D. Why did I say Team 3D? Because Team 3D just returned on Monday, motherfuckers. Um but that's just my opinion. Uh, I don't think Team 3D needs any help by any means, a stretch of the imagination. But I can only imagine after putting people through tables, they're going to have some enemies coming soon. Not only is the New Day their em- enemies, but the Ascension obviously is about to turn on them. So we'll see what happens. Um, but with that being said, as far as Enzo and Cass coming to the main roster, I've said this before and I have a curiosity. And I'm actually going to tweet a few people on Twitter, including not Sam, at not Sam, Sam Roberts. Um, if Big Cass and Enzo Mori move to the main roster, does Carmella go with them? Or does she stay behind? Because I gotta say, she has nothing without those two. She can't come out and do the bada bing, realest chick in the ring shit without Big Cass and Enzo behind her. I mean, can she? I mean, she could, but it would be, you know, it'd be a little weird. She's still the queen of Staten Island, either way you want to go about it. But that's one of my biggest questions right now. And maybe that's why they have moved to the main rosters, because they're trying to get 
uh, Carmella on the same page. Um, we'll see what happens with that, but that's a big curiosity of mine. Um, the next thing I want to talk about as far as the NXT uh, TakeOver Brooklyn, um, the Jushin Thunder Liger, Tyler Breeze match, the one that opened the show, I thought was a great way to open the show. I did not see Tyler Breeze losing that match. I'm not going to lie. That booking that I had was completely wrong. I expected Tyler to go over. I thought it was the whole point. But um, it looks like if you watched NXT this last week, um, he's talking about, or maybe it was not NXT this last week. It was just a uh, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes uh, interview he did. I'm not quite sure. But um, uh, Tyler Breeze says he's got something else he's going to bring up to William Ringle. It's, it's going to be even bigger. It's going to make him a bigger star. So we'll see what that leads into. But I really did not see uh, Liger winning. Um, I was okay with it. I just I, it was just a shocking moment. Um, but Liger looked good, man. For as long as he's been doing this, as long as he's been in the business, and as long as, um, you know, I, well, I guess since he's never been in the WWE ring before, for the first time competing in the WWE ring, obviously as long as he's been in the business, he's not going to have any nerves of any kind. But um, he put on one hell of a show, and I think Tyler put on one hell of a show too. Um, I think Tyler's kind of got a little bit of. Uh, uh, a Dolph Ziggler Miz vibe going on, and what I mean by that is he's a very good seller. I don't think he oversells like Dolph Ziggler does, um, but he's got that uh, he's got that really aggressive, ugly, mean face like the Miz does. Like if you guys have ever seen the Miz, just just all teeth out, grinning, pissed off. I mean that's kind. Of, I mean Tyler Breeze has the same look in his face. So uh, I think I think Tyler Breeze has got a good thing going. Um, I've, I've said before I'm not a huge fan of his gimmick just because I don't think it'll make it on the main roster. Um, I mean, look at The Miz. The Miz came out, had the moneymaker thing, and, you know, how pretty he was, and this, that, and the other. Don't hit the moneymaker, and this, that, and the other. And now he hasn't said, you know, moneymaker in three, four months. So, um, Tyler Breeze coming out, though, and he's got the selfie stick, and he's, you know, he's the Prince Pretty and uh, King of Cuteville or whatever it is. Um, so, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. I, but... Um, it was still, it was a very very entertaining match, uh, especially to open the show. Um, I thought it was great. Uh, I got the crowd started off in the you know in the right state of mind um, to continue with the rest of the show. Um, it was thoroughly enjoyable. I really did enjoy it. Um, it could have been it could have been more um, just because I think it could have went a little bit longer. Um, but they were on a time crunch, as I'm pretty sure they the whole show ran long as it was. Um, having uh, Kevin Owens and Finn Balor, if you listen to I don't know, there may be five minutes in when you hear uh, Corey Graves um, state that, uh, uh, you know, if this was an oral pay-per-view, the show would be over. But since we're on the network, we're going to keep going. So, um, obviously, they knew it ran long. If you were watching it, it ran long. You probably recognized it ran long. Um, but I think it was good that it ran long. It showed that, uh, you know, Triple H and, you know, especially Vince McMahon, it's his, it's his network. Don't get me wrong. Vince McMahon may not be the person pulling the strings at NXT, but he's still the person pulling the strings on the network. Um so, but for it to be going long, and the fact that if you go replay, they don't edit anything out to you know cut it down to the two hours it's supposed to be, it mean, means they had faith in it. And the fact of the matter is that show being sold out in the Barclays Center was incredible. And the way that show opened with Triple H doing his little speech, um, man, that would that, that that moment gave me goosebumps. It gave me chills as a fan, um, as a person who just uh, admires um, Triple H and NXT and all the people who perform in NXT, all the wrestlers. Um, that was that was a really really touching moment. I really enjoyed that. Uh, um, I hope people realize that that came that wasn't necessarily a promo Triple H just cut. I mean, I think that was from the bottom of the heart. Um, so it was really good. It was really good to see. And obviously, the last thing I want to talk about um, 
and I saved the best for last, ladies and gentlemen. Don't think I'm just not getting to it because I want to just not get to it. I mean, I do just not want to get to it because the best is for last. Sasha Banks and Bayley, the NXT women's title match. You can't. I said it earlier. Best match of the year, by far. Um, at the end of this year, when they do their, their Slammy Awards and they're going to say who the diva of the year is, it's going to be Sasha Banks or Bayley. If it's not Sasha Banks or Bayley, I'm not watching that freaking show. All right, I'm going to turn it off after that announcement is made. So, um, and I'm no at not Sam. Sam Roberts, you're pulling for Sasha Banks. And just to go against the grain, I'm pulling for Bailey. All right. Uh, Sasha Banks didn't have an underdog story this year. Bailey did. And guess what? Bailey won. So, with that being said, um, hope she wins that. That's later on this year. We'll, we'll get to that podcast, you know, December, whenever it may be. Uh, but uh, that match alone last night, or not last night. Sunday night. I say last night because I rewatched it again last night. Um, I've actually watched it three times. Um, but that match for the NXT Women's title, I mean, you couldn't ask for better of a match. Uh, the only thing that I wish was done better in that match is when Sasha Banks goes for her, you know, has the opponent on the ropes and goes to the knees to the, the, the stomach and knees him down. Well, she had her on the top ropes. And when she did it, obviously, she I don't think we've ever seen her do from the top ropes before. I think that's something that uh, was just debuted at the, you know, the event on Saturday. But um, when she did it, you can clearly tell she, she just kind of, like, put her knees on top. She didn't, she normally comes down with force, and it hits, and it's hard, and... Um, but there was there was no force to this. Uh, Bailey did sell it well though, so that was, that was that's very nitpicky on what I'm doing. Uh, very much so nitpicking, um, but that's because that was the only the only error that looked like an error. Now clearly there were some other errors. Um, There's two you know top rope moves um, that were a little bit of errors. Bailey on that same regards on the same rope um, tried to jump up and I believe was going for her Rana and. Sasha Banks supposedly pushed her away. Doesn't really look like Sasha Banks got the push off. And Bailey just landed on her head. I mean, straight up. She just dropped down and landed on the back of her neck. Um, luckily, she's okay. But uh, other than that, the only other the only other one was obviously that last one. Everyone who's who's on Twitter right now is like, Sasha Banks is injured. Oh, my God. And Sasha Banks is denying being injured. And if you rewatch in slow motion, she flips over at the exact right second to not get injured. Where I think she's okay. But basically, Bailey does the uh, the the uh, uh, Hurricane Rana, but Sasha Banks is facing the other way. So instead of flipping her onto her back, she's flipping her onto her stomach. And um, when you look at it, it doesn't look like Sasha Banks rotated quickly enough because it looks like she kind of hits the top of her head and then rotates. And she does, but luckily for her, her, her momentum was already going far enough past where her head just barely kind of hit and then fell. So it looks a lot worse than it really was. Um, and like I said, if you play in slow motion, it actually really doesn't look that bad. Usually a lot of things in slow motion um, look worse. Um, if you don't have access to slow motion, I'm sure there's a GIF or, or uh, um, something on YouTube you can look at. But that match in particular blew my mind. Um, now, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this Divas Revolution. I think they could be doing a lot better telling, you know, telling the stories on, on the main roster right now. But Divas, Divas Revolution started in NXT. Um, it's sure as hell not going to end in NXT, but it started in NXT. And at the end of that match, when all four of the horsewomen were in that ring and they were all crying together, I'm not going to lie to you, I got goosebumps and I, I wanted to cry. I really did. I, w- I was just so happy and like people ask me all the time like how can you watch wrestling 
Like, you know it's not real. I'm like, it's not real, but man, it's the best soap opera that's ever been told. Especially NXT right now, because the people telling these stories are great storytellers. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of things in life that I don't like to be entertained by. I'm not a guy who likes horror movies. I don't do horror. I don't want to be scared. That's not entertainment to me. I like to laugh. I like to watch comedy. That's entertainment. I like to watch wrestling, because that's entertainment at its finest. That's exactly what wrestling is, and that's exactly what that match gave me. It made me feel like a little kid again. It made me feel like a fan watching wrestling for the first time. Um... It was all those things and and more. Excuse me. I had to get a drink. Throat is killing me. But um, that match truly was amazing. Um, For those of you that don't think it was amazing, watch it again. If you still don't think it was amazing, stop watching wrestling. Don't listen to my podcast. I don't want to hear from you. Um, I'm not asking you to to agree with that match is the best match of the year. But if you don't think that match is amazing, you're not a wrestling fan. You're just a, a machine fan, and those of you who know what I'm what I mean when I say machine fan, good for you. Those that don't, you're probably machine fans. Um, but with that being said, that whole that whole show NXT Takeover Brooklyn, you can't get better than that. You just can't. It was fantastic, and it was certainly better than the next show I'm going to talk about because the next show I'm going to talk about was SummerSlam. SummerSlam did not hold a candle, in my opinion, to NXT Takeover Brooklyn. NXT TakeOver Brooklyn blew SummerSlam out, SummerSlam out the water. I didn't even know SummerSlam was in the water. But guess what? It was, and it got blown out. That's right. Blown out. Blown out. Sky high. Came crashing to the ground. Um, there were some good moments in SummerSlam. Don't get me wrong. Um, but it wasn't It wasn't what I wanted it to be. Not by any means. Especially with the card they had. Especially with four hours. Um, now, if you listen to my podcast last week... Um, I told you what I thought was going to happen. It was, you know, NXT TakeOver was in Brooklyn. SummerSlam was in Brooklyn. I thought NXT was going to take over. I thought that's why they added the fourth hour. I thought at some point in time on that card, NXT roster was going to come out and take over the show. They were going to come out and stop the show and say, this is so boring, blah, blah, this. The crowd was going to go crazy. Like, did you see our show last night? These guys can't hold a candle to us. And then have, you know, four or five guys from the main roster come out who weren't on the card or maybe were on the card but already competed come out and uh, go toe-to-toe with the NXT guys. And I thought, to me, that would have been beautiful booking. That would have been a great story. It's something that could have brought multiple people from the NXT to the main roster in one transition. At least got a little bit of exposure, you know. Uh, People who didn't watch NXT Brooklyn the night before, who did watch SummerSlam, could have seen what it was all about. And, you know, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I don't think for the four-hour show they had, they delivered. Um, obviously, John Stewart did indeed add a little bit to that show. Um, the opening segment with Mick Foley, and um, Mick Foley thought they were going to come out here and talk about The Rock, not take out Brock or whatever it was. Um, and Mick Foley like, I'm not down with that. That was kind of entertaining, don't get me wrong. Um, John Stewart has been on uh, WWE before, so you know he's a good talker when he's in WWE. Um he is somewhat hesitant. Um, I think he did a much better ninth following night on Raw than he did at SummerSlam, especially when it came to hitting the uh, John Cena with the chair, um, which I would have probably... Nah, I can't say that now because then it sounds like I'm just bullshitting. Um, but when I booked that match, when I fantasy booked that match between Seth Rollins and John Cena, I fantasy booked Seth Rollins winning that match um, via, you know, 
ref getting knocked down or uh, back turned and interference of some kind um, late in the match, which is exactly what happened with John Stewart. Now, the reason I book that is because if Seth Rollins wins, he now holds both titles, the U.S. title and WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Now, the following pay-per-view is Night of Champions. Night of Champions, all titles are, are on, um, or all titles are defended at that show. Um, so, I I booked, and I'm still going to book, Sam Roberts, if you're listening. This is my fantasy, part of my fantasy booking for um, Night of Champions. I booked that Seth Rollins not only will defend the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, which obviously we learned this last week, it's going to be against Sting, um, but we'll also have his rematch with John Cena, so we'll defend two titles uh, in the same night, and then at the end of that match, I do believe he will, um, uh, I do believe he will lose the title back to John Cena, John Cena will recapture the U.S. title, he will somehow pull out a win on Sting, but then Sheamus will cash in his money in the bank. That is my booking. Alright? So Seth Rollins is going to have three matches in one night at summer or at Night of Champions. Now, that's why I booked Seth Rollins to win at SummerSlam. Because having him three times, compete three times in one night would be fantastic. Now it would be a huge kick in the nads to have him lose all three times. Um, but what would probably put him over the most actually and Sam Roberts I have my mind uh, the right to change my mind to this booking just because I just now thought of this to have him win all three have him beat John Cena then have him beat Sting and then after he beats Sting he's just he's out of it he ain't got nothing left in the tank and here comes Sheamus you know what I mean a fresh Sheamus don't have Sheamus compete on the night of champions you know what I mean don't have him do it I know him and Randy Orton are in a feud right now but um for whatever reason, just just have Randy Orton somewhere else. Don't don't have him involved with Sheamus. That way, nobody's expecting Sheamus. You know what I mean? Nobody's even thinking of Sheamus. Take Sheamus off TV for the next few weeks if you have to. That way, nobody's even thinking about him. Nobody's thinking. You know, respect the Hawk. It's just it's out of sight, out of mind. You know what I mean? And uh, then boom, have him cash in and uh, have him lose. And that way, Seth Rollins wins three times in one night. And I don't know how you're going to get away with doing all this without having help for Seth Rollins, but there's ways around it, I'm sure. WWE is good at uh, getting things figured out, not to mention Kane's set to return back. I'm sure J&J security are coming back at some point. Um, But with that being said, I mean... I think that'd be the way to go, um, especially if you're still trying to keep Seth Rollins on the top. If you if you're trying to knock him down a peg or two, maybe have him lose one of the titles and keep the other one. Um, you know, maybe maybe he can learn um, how much a title really means by by losing the heavyweight title and but keeping the United States title. That way, he still has a title, but it's not the title he wants, and it's not necessarily the title he respects. But then he learns to gain respect out of that title, and uh, maybe he turns face. I don't know. Uh, seeing crazier should happen. Not too much. I think that was pretty good booking too. Um, don't worry, I'm not saying if you if you accept uh, uh, if you accept my challenge of booking Night of Champions, I will officially pick one of those three options. Um, <laughs> I know that's cheating having three options laid out, but feel free to pick one of the other two. That's fine. I don't care. Um, we'll see what happens though. Uh, but with that being said, SummerSlam overall. Uh, was good. Uh, it wasn't great. Not by any means. I gave it a C rating, um, which I usually don't give ratings, but I'll give it a rating. I'll give it a C rating just because I don't know how else to feel about it. Um, the Divas uh, tag elimination match. Um, yeah, that's not helping the Divas Revolution at all. It's really not. 
Um, Divas Revolution should be exactly that, the Divas Revolution. And they should just be one-on-one matches, just really, really good one-on-one matches. And uh, there have been a few, um, but most of them are tag team matches they've been going on right now, and I don't really want to see it anymore. And I guess it was recently announced earlier today that there's going to be a uh, Beat the Clock Challenge, and uh, Team PCB is going to be competing in that, uh, the winner being number one contender. I think that's good. Um, I really hope that... Uh, Becky Lynch wins that just because I think that uh, I think Charlotte's too much of the obvious choice for it at the moment. Um, that's you know the machine's choice. I think the fans' choice would be Becky Lynch, and hopefully they go the right way with that. Um, they don't need to give it to Paige right now. I think Paige is right now her best her best role is that supporting role until she's ready to turn heel again. Because I think once Paige turns heel, um, she'll turn on one of the members of PCB, and that's how she's going to turn heel. Um, but we'll see how that plays out. Um, but with that being said, I mean, it's still a good match. They had a SummerSlam, don't get me wrong. Um, Team Bad went out pretty early. I'm still waiting on Tamina Snooker to actually contribute to this Divas Revolution. And I want her to because I think she is, um, uh, I think she is, uh, you know, the, the black horse in this competition, um, in the Divas division right now. Um, I would say other women are, you know, the black horse, but at the same time, they're not even on TV right now. So, um, Natalia, where you at, girl? Um... But with that being said, it was, it was a great match uh, overall. Um, I'm glad Becky Lynch ended up getting the pin on that, um, just because it looked, um, it looked, uh, you know, for a while it looked like uh, Charlotte was going to get it. So I'm glad Becky Lynch ended up getting it. Um, she did a phenomenal job. Becky Lynch is, uh, she's not necessarily my favorite, but I, she's on her way there. Um, right now, my favorite's actually the NXT Women's Champion uh, Bailey, followed by uh, Sasha Banks and then Becky Lynch. Um, that's right, not Sam. Sasha Banks is number two on my list. Get you some of that. Um, but at the same time, great match. Uh, can't ask for much more out of them as far as entering competitors, especially with the time that they're given and having nine women compete in one match. It's, it's you know it's hard, uh, but I think they pulled it off pretty well. Um, now the last thing I want to talk about is SummerSlam because to be honest with you, I guess I'll talk about two more things um, before I get to the last part, which is the Undertaker Brock Lesnar debacle that happened um new day new day sucks but they suck so good they rock okay <laughs> i know that sounds weird but to be honest with you there's a lot of people especially on my twitter feed i hear them saying oh god xavier woods is just so annoying have him shut up i'm i gotta change the channel that means he's doing his fucking job I think Xavier Woods is a genius. And if you've you've heard my previous podcast, you've heard me say this. He is one of the most entertaining parts about Monday Night Raw and SmackDown right now. When Xavier Woods is outside of that ring and he's just talking up his guys, it's it's incredible to see. It's highly annoying, but yet highly, highly, highly entertaining. And it's 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 why I'm a wrestling fan. It's why WWE is my soap opera. Um, it's it's why I continue to watch week after week is because um, that team right there is getting better and better and better. And believe it or not, fans are recognizing that because in Brooklyn, they weren't chanting New Day Sucks. They were chanting New Day Rocks. Now, before I get in to Undertaker, Brock Lesnar... I made this point on my Twitter, but I got to put it here on the podcast. If you look at Bailey, who won the women's title, New Day, who won the tag titles, and Seth Rollins, who won the United States title, they were all wearing white and gold when they won. Can you believe that? And I just, that's just an observation I want to point out. They were all wearing white and gold. A little weird. It's a little weird. I'm just saying. I don't, I don't know if you know. If there's a reason for it, I highly doubt there is a reason for it. 
But I want to point that out. It's a little weird. Whoever's come with these costume ideas clearly was like, well, they're winning. They deserve to be in gold. And what goes better with gold? Well, white. So uh, it is what it is. Um, but I made that point on uh, on my Twitter, and some people were like, holy shit, really? Oh, and they went back and looked at it, and like, oh, my God, he's right. I am right. Is there something going on there? I don't know. Conspiracy? Maybe. We'll figure it out as we go along. But at the same time, um, Bailey looks the best in white and gold. I don't care. Screw you. Um, it looks way better than New Day or Seth Rollins did. Maybe it's because I'm a guy and she's a girl, but um, I think Seth Rollins looks better in his black. Um, Grant, I I think he looks just like a if Justin Bieber dressed up as a Power Ranger for Halloween, you got Seth Rollins. So um, <laughs> if you picture that in your head, it's actually pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie, it really is. But um. Uh, it was it was it was a good pay per view, but let's get into that main event of Brock Lesnar versus Taker. Now, uh, Brock and Taker, uh, much better match this time than they had at WrestleMania 30. Um, I love the fact that it started off with uh, uh, Lesnar giving Taker no time to even take the coat off whatsoever. Lesnar was just on him. Um, now you hear me snapping at my cat in the background, making all kinds of noise in the middle of my damn podcast. Uh, um, don't worry, I don't owe you a beer. I ain't got that kind of money, but. Um, I mean, it was my goddamn train of thought. But the way he started off that match, going right after him, not leaving him time to take that coat off, was uh, was was brilliant. Um, it showed that, uh, I think the point of that, to be honest, was to show that, one, Brock Lesnar was pissed, and two, that maybe Brock Lesnar is still the heel in this situation because um, fans still cheer him more than anything. Hell, Undertaker was getting booed in uh, Brock's hometown on Monday Night Raw, so... Um, he wasn't getting booed hard. Like, when I first heard that Undertaker was being booed, and then when I finally watched Raw, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was. Like, I thought the whole crowd was just booing him, but that wasn't the case. It was just certain parts of the crowd that were booing him. So, that was good to see. And, uh, real quick. Mm. But, um, that match started off hot and heavy. I know it was a little weird to say hot and heavy when we talk about a wrestling match, but damn it, that's exactly what it was. Um... With with uh, Lesnar coming out, Undertaker right out the gate. Um, finally, Undertaker got you know a little bit of breathing room, got the coat off, and things were underway. And that match actually lasted longer than I expected for it to last. And now a lot of people are saying that at WrestleMania 30, the reason the match didn't last very long, well, because Undertaker got concussed pretty early on. Now, I don't know if that's true. We all know Undertaker collapsed after that match, but he also collapsed after the end of this match here at SummerSlam. So. Who knows? You know, I don't know. Um, I can't tell you for sure. Um, but I did tell you before going in to SummerSlam on my podcast that I wasn't going to fancy book this match because I wanted the story to be told. And I got to tell you, they told one hell of a story. Now, the match back and forth lasted a lot longer than I thought it was going to. Um, Undertaker looked pretty worn out pretty quickly. Um, but hell, you take that many, you know, German suplexes, what do you expect? You know what I mean? Hell, I'd be dead. Um, Undertaker's just old, so... Um, they got away with it pretty well. Um, Undertaker took a, one hell of a beating, but then was able to dish out one hell of a beating. Um, I think Brock Lesnar actually going down when Undertaker hit him um, a few times just goes to show how strong the Undertaker is still booked to this day, obviously because he's the Undertaker. But, you know, a lot of people come out and hit Brock Lesnar, he never goes down. So, including Roman Reigns, who's right now, you know, and I guess not right now, but was at the time being, you know, booked the strongest in the company. So, 
Um, it is what it is, but at the same time, um, that match was great. It really was. It had all aspects of wrestling match you look for. You know, it had the back and forth, it had the drama, it had the uh, you know the slow parts to get the fans uh, involved. You know, clapping and chanting, trying to get their up. You know, you actually had the uh, uh, let's go Taker, let's go uh, Lesnar chance going. Um, which is really uh, was really interesting to see because you just still don't know who's the heel, who's the face. Now I know they're both trying, you know, they're both technically faces. Uh, Lesnar, uh, as Sam Roberts would say, kicking Brock Lesnar in the dick, um, which I thought was the greatest part of Sam Roberts' podcast. As soon as he said he kicked him in the dick, I was on the goddamn ground laughing my ass off. Um, but with that being said, just because you kick somebody in the dick doesn't mean you're a bad guy. I mean, sometimes you're just defending yourself. Even if the guy, you know, that you kicked in the dick hasn't attacked you yet, chances are he was going to attack you. So you might as well stop him from attacking you. What better way than to kick him in the dick? So, um, but with that being said, it was a great match. And let's talk about the controversy that ended that match. Now, a lot of people, especially the people who were in attendance and didn't see um, The Undertaker tap out when Brock Lesnar had him uh, in the Kimura lock, um... I know a lot of people are kind of angry because you heard the bell ring and uh, Paul Heyman jumps in the ring and he's like, oh my God, he tapped out, he tapped out. And then the refs, of course, is like, what's going on? I didn't call for the bell, only I called for the bell. And this, that, and the other. And um, they show the replay and they're talking about how the timekeeper saw the tap out. Well, if you look at that fucking angle, the timekeeper didn't see fucking shit. All right, I'm just going to put that out there right now. Timekeeper didn't see shit. The timekeeper saw just as much as the ref did, and that was absolutely nothing. So, obviously, the timekeeper's looking up on the Jumbotron, or, or something. I'm not quite sure. Um, but, either that, or he just had the timing right. But he didn't see it personally. There's no way from the angle, if you look at it, that the timekeeper saw any movement of tapping out whatsoever. And a lot of people are mad because, and Miss Caitlin and Dolls, all ref, hashtag RefGate. Um, when I'm half tempted to join on that bandwagon of RefGate, because that was some bullshit. Um, Undertaker completely, totally did tap out. Now, obviously, they wanted to protect the Undertaker, um... And they had to get the win. Um, Undertaker had to get the win. There wouldn't be a rubber match if Undertaker didn't get the win. But you had to protect Brock Lesnar. That's why he, you know, he got hit in the dick again, and then he got choked out. He ended up tapping, and he choked out. Why? And he flipped him off on the on, while passing out. And they did that to, to protect Lesnar and make him look like a badass. Um, now it's not the first time WWE's done something like this in order to protect somebody's uh, character or involvement or you know push that they currently have. Because right now Brock Lesnar is the beast. And if you have Brock Lesnar tapping out, he kind of loses just a little bit of credibility. Not a lot, not enough to really hurt him, but enough in Vince McMahon's eyes to hurt him. So they had to change that, they had to edit it, they had to make it look the way it looked, but I I think it was just booked wrong. I think they could easily have told that same story with one little minor detail and adjustment. Now, I tweeted this earlier today, and my adjustment would have been, instead of having the timekeeper call for the bell or to ring the bell because he saw the tap out, Paul Heyman was on the right side of the ring to see that tap out. Have Paul Heyman go to the the timekeeper and say, Brock Lesnar just tapped out, ring the bell. Then he rings the bell, and then the ref gets up like, what the hell? And Paul Heyman's like, he tapped out. He's like, I'm the only one who's ring the bell. He's like, I saw it, so I rang the bell. And Or even have Paul Heyman ring the bell itself. That's a pretty damn good idea. And then have Paul Heyman and the ref get in the argument. And while Paul Heyman and the ref get in the argument, then Brock Lesnar... Er, gets hit in the dick by the Undertaker, and then the Undertaker locks in Hell's Gate and chokes out Brock Lesnar, and then we have the same ending with the exact same result and a storyline that makes fucking sense other than a timekeeper who nobody knows who is and apparently is um, 
uh, uh, as uh, Sam Roberts said, the Shockmaster's son. I don't know who the fuck Shockmaster is. I've seen him on TV on WWE Network. They made fun of him on one of the top ten countdown or whatever, and, and on several other programs. Um, but with that being said, at least you had something that had been more viable, something that had been had a little more truth to it. Because Paul Heyman clearly saw the tab out. He could have called for the bell. Him and the ref could have gotten an argument because the ref, you know, ref, I'm the only one that calls for the bell. Paul Heyman's like, but you didn't see it. I saw it. And then Undertaker goes for the low blow, gets Hell's Gate, chokes him out. I would have been happy with that storyline. There would be no hashtag ref gate with that. Um, I mean, there still would be because the ref didn't see it and the ref should have saw it, but um, it wouldn't be nearly as bad. Uh, it could have been, it could have been booked better. I think my booking is better just because it makes more sense as a storyline. That way, when Paul Heyman comes out next night on Raw, he could not only you know tell the world that Brock Lesnar made the Undertaker tap out, but he can tell the world how big of an idiot that ref is for disagreeing with him when he's all the tap out, and then they could have just replayed on the jumbotron and it have been over with. But they didn't do that. It didn't happen. It is what it is. Um, the storyline is going to progress either way. Um, obviously, there's going to be a rubber match. Um, if you listen to a couple podcasts to go, um, I told you I don't want to book The Undertaker WrestleMania 32, especially if it's his last match. Um, but if I had to book it, it would be against Lesnar because I don't know who else is going to face The Undertaker. Um, now, I've heard Jim Ross on his Ross Report podcast say John Cena, uh, but I think that time's come and gone. I don't think John Cena's a, a, a viable option at this point. Um, John Cena don't think has any, anything to gain from beating the Undertaker at WrestleMania, and I don't think the WrestleMania or the Undertaker has anything to give John Cena by doing the you know doing the deed for him at WrestleMania. So, um, with that being said, um, I, I hope it doesn't take till WrestleMania to get this last match in, but you never know. Obviously, they want to sell out the you know Cowboy Stadium, Jerry's World, hundred five thousand people. Um, so you never know what's going to happen. I don't think a rubber match between you know, Undertaker and Brock Lesnar is the way to sell out 105,000 seats, but it could be part of the way to sell out 105,000 seats. But overall, SummerSlam, um, it was decent. Could have been better. A lot of forgettable stuff. A lot of stuff I'm not even going to cover because it was so forgettable. Um, uh, last thing I do want to say about it, Stephen Amell. I never watched the Arrow on the CW. After that match, I have now watched the entire first season of The Arrow on the CW. Um, because, goddamn, that guy's an actor. Um, if you can get in that ring and do what he did and have the facial expressions he had and tell the story he told and, you know, the backstage promos before and after, that that guy is an actor. Um, it was thoroughly enjoyable to watch. And uh, Arrow, not a bad show. You should check it out. Um, let's move on to uh, Monday Night Raw, where... Uh, where, where my favorite part of the weekend, um, other than the NXT uh, Women's Championship match, because that was the highlight of the weekend, just because the highlight doesn't mean it's the favorite, okay? My favorite part of the weekend, uh, Team 3D returned. Team 3D is back. I hope they're back for good. I hope it's not a one-off time, you know, deal. Um, I do know that the Dudleys just competed an independent event um, this past, or this the tonight, as I'm recording this, it's Saturday night, um, a week after uh, NXT Brooklyn, but uh, I hope they're back for good. Team 3D is going to uh, make the tag team division relevant again. Um like I said before, Enzo and Big Cass could join them, and they could be the faces 
of, of the tag team division. You have everybody else turn heel and just have those two teams as the face and put people through tables left and right every week, and it'd be fantastic. Or you can simply have them there to be a solo act of the tag team division and just kind of be the stone cold of the tag team division. Doesn't matter whether you're heel or face, if you're in a match or you get near them or get in their way, you're going through a fucking table. Um, but it was fantastic to see their return. Um, they also didn't, they actually had their match on SmackDown against the Ascension, where obviously they won. New Day tried to come out and, and uh, uh, stop them, um, but that, was, that's, that wasn't going to happen. Um, uh, one of the members of the Ascension ended up going through a table. I do like the fact that on SmackDown, when uh, uh, New Day came out, they were trying to say give tables a chance. Uh, that was pretty funny. It was very entertaining, very, very New Day-ish. Uh, very enjoyable. But going back to Raw, uh, having Team 3D return and make an impact was fantastic. Those fans went crazy for them, as they should. Um, if you don't know the history of Team 3D, uh, the winningest tag team of all time, all there is to it. Now, I know they, they announced that on, you know, the commentators announced that on Raw and on SmackDown. Obviously, they're not going to announce, you know, the things they've done in TNA, obviously, um, being direct competition and whatnot. But uh, their reign in TNA, um, Team 3D won in TNA very long. Bubba Ray was in, you know, uh, TNA for a long period of time as Bully Ray. Um, so, it it was... It was very good to see them on Raw. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I hope they're here to stay because it makes me want to watch tag team wrestling again. Um, they're part of the reason back in that 1999, you know, era, the, the Attitude Era, why I watched wrestling. Um, it was tag teams. I got into wrestling because of tag teams. Because of that 1999 No Mercy, you know, Hardys versus Edge and Christian in the ladder match, um, I was tag team guy. I really was. It was tag team through and through. And, uh... You know, obviously things have changed, and tag team's not what it once was, and hopefully it's coming back. New Day's really starting to make strides, but having Team 3D there is only going to make it better. Um, I cannot wait for the Usos to get back into this picture, because I think they have a lot to add. Um, I think they're a little bit more experienced than what people give them credit for. Um, so it was it was good overall. Um, we'll see what happens in the future. Um, but moving on with Monday Night Raw, um, the last thing I want to... Um, not necessarily the last thing I want to get into, but one of the last things I want to get into here is uh, obviously the uh, Sting. I mean, I can't say any more than that. Just Sting. Um, everybody kind of expected Sting to come, Sting to come back um, before SummerSlam and set up a match for SummerSlam um, with uh, you know the Wyatts and uh, uh, you know Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns. Um, but obviously that didn't happen. I'm not too, not too upset about that just because I don't, or I guess I didn't want to see Sting in a tag team match. I'm sorry, Sting does not need to be involved in tag team matches at this point in his career. Um, so to have him go and, you know, show up on Raw, going one-on-one now officially announced for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship at Night of Champions against Seth Rollins is, uh, is... Not a match I expected to see, but one I'm actually really looking forward to. Um, Sting can still go, period. Um, Sting's old, but, you know, age is just a mindset. And the fact of the matter is Sting can still go. And it's going to be a good match. It's going to be a great match. Um, It could be... I'm not going to say it's going to be a match of the night, because as right now, I can't tell you that. Um, It depends on what order the matches are booked. Obviously, it's probably going to be the main event. Um, But... The outcome of that match could go two different ways. Depends on what Sheamus is going to do. So, 
Um, but it's going to be a good match. It's going to be very entertaining. The way they brought Sting out I thought it was pretty clever. Um, I kind of knew it was going to be Sting because throughout the night they were showing vignettes of, uh, you know, the previous legends receiving their statues that Seth Rollins was going to receive later on in the night. And they were just curtains draped over the statues, and they pulled them off. Um, now, Seth Rollins' statue was inside. Uh, still was underneath a curtain, but it was all squared up, and it was taller, and, and it was like... Um, you know, it was going to be pulled off by a crane or a lever from above or whatever. And it wasn't just a, you know, curtain draped over something that they pulled off, which I think would have been cooler, but the esteem to be able to stand still for people not to be able to see him through that curtain would have been a little bit more of a challenge. So obviously did the way they had to do it, but I kind of figured that was going to happen. They kind of gave it away for me in that perspective. Now I know they tried in earlier in the show, you know, Seth Rollins, you know, walked in into the, into their office and they were covering up the statue underneath that curtain to make it look like we knew it was under that curtain. But I still kind of put that piece of the puzzle together. Um, but it's still great, um, especially to see Sting come out and run around that ring and whoop Seth Rollins' ass. Um, it's fantastic. And to see the, uh, the look on Seth Rollins' face was priceless. The look on Triple H's face was like Triple H forgot he was on TV and he had to act. Um, he didn't sell that one at all. Uh, not very well, anyway. Um, but anyway, it was what it was. Um, I look forward to that match coming up. Um, I think Sting... Uh, Sting doesn't have an opportunity to walk out as champion, but he does have an opportunity to win that match. And you'll know what I mean by that later on, you know, a couple weeks when I get when we get close to that pay-per-view and I fantasy book this match, and hopefully... And not saying Mr. Sam Roberts will accept my fantasy booking challenge that I have issued to him. That is right, Sam Roberts, once again, I challenge you to a fantasy booking competition for Night of Champions. The winner is simply the person who gets the correct amount of fantasy bookings, and, uh, you know, the loser it, it does whatever the winner wants. I personally, if you accept, um, like I said, I'm also challenging Katie Lynn and all. If you guys accept and I win, I want you to appear on my podcast. Um, if you accept and I lose, name the price. I'll do whatever it takes to get you guys to accept this uh, to accept this challenge. And so, whatever it takes is what I'm willing to do. So, let me know, um, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wrestling Rant Podcast as much as I have. There's so much to talk about, um, so very little time to talk about it. Um, but I, I I enjoyed it. Um, could have been could have been longer. I wish it could have been longer, but unfortunately, uh, you know, I've got a schedule to maintain. I'm a busy guy. I've got a lot of things going on. So, um, but with that being said, um, I had a great time recording this podcast. I'm not like most podcasters. A lot of podcasters, you know, record a show, air it a few weeks later, this, that, and the other. I'm not that guy. I actually, uh, record a show, edit it, uh, um, post it all in the same day, uh, actually within a few hours of each other. So, um, like right now, it is um, it is four o'clock a.m. where I'm at. I'll probably have this podcast uploaded and ready to listen to by six a.m. Don't take me long. I do everything in house by myself, and this is a wrestling podcast for the fans by the fan. Uh, my name is Ryan Lytle. I am on Twitter at Wrestling Rant. Um, it is Wrestling Rant. Rant spelled with a W. It is W R A N T. Uh, it sounds cooler that way with the silent W in front of it. Um, you can hear my stuff on SoundCloud. Please follow me on there, and I'm also on iTunes. Uh, wrestling wrestling rant podcast no spaces you put a space you're not going to find it i don't know why uh, itunes is ridiculous you can't put wrestling rant podcast with spaces and still find the same podcast no you can't um, but i did finally get my issues with itunes fixed they have officially changed my cover art to the way they're supposed to be um so you can easily find me on there just wrestling rant podcast at wrestling rant on twitter and wrestling rant on soundcloud 
Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I had a blast doing the show. Um, if you have any comments or questions, please drop a line at Twitter um, or on Twitter at Wrestling Rant, and I will obviously respond. It's what I do. I respond. Um, and then next week, we have a great show for you. I will announce it later on this week on Twitter, so please follow me and make sure you catch all the details before we get there. Um, Sam Roberts, let me know. I still challenge you. And I'll challenge you every week until you accept for every pay-per-view. So every week I'm be tweeting at you, challenging you. So until you accept, expect your Twitter to be blown up by me. And don't block me. That's just Jewish. <laughs>